Hello Blazers, welcome to episode 48 of UAB Green and Told. Original air date, Monday, June 21st, 2021. Through this podcast, we are able to share stories from members of the UAB community. You can listen in to all of our episodes on Spotify and the Apple Podcast app. While you're there, I'd love for you to leave a written review so we can reach more alumni. I'm Greg Berry, a UAB alum and assistant director in the Office of Alumni Affairs. Today, we welcome Tequila Smith to the podcast. While more are entering the field, there is a shortage of females working in jobs related to STEM, science, technology, engineering, and math. It's a field Tequila is in, and as we'll discuss, she would like to see more women follow in her footsteps. But there's nothing more beautiful than a young woman who is powerful, who is a leader, and loves all subjects. And that's not to say that Tequila didn't face challenges, because she did. And at times, being in the engineering program, I really questioned if my best was good enough. And luckily, there were people, professors and graduate students there that would encourage me. And now making a career out of a pair of UAB degrees, Tequila is sharing her advice to others, especially younger girls. You know, you can have a map and and you can have a plan. But the best advice I could give and one of the biggest lessons for me with the company and for my time at UAB is flexibility. Science, technology, engineering, and math. Combine the four create an approach focusing on hard sciences, developing critical thinking skills, and improving problem-solving abilities. And together, They're known as STEM. For little girls growing up, they often move away from the subjects, and there is an ongoing push to get more girls involved in STEM. For Tequila Smith, she has made a career out of STEM, and its foundation was laid as a youngster in a countryside town outside of Tuscaloosa. Um, Greg, I will be totally honest and say I was the typical nerd. Absolutely. I was always in books, and I had a huge imagination. So my sister is five years Uh, younger than me. So I spent a lot of time with my grandmother and I was always reading. And uh, my grandmother tells the story uh, when she was alive, she would tell the story of how it would read this Bible. So she had a family Bible that would sit on um, the coffee table. And maybe when I was about two or three years old, which I couldn't read, but nobody told me I couldn't read. So my grandfather would always come home and he would sit me in his lap and he would say, uh, he would call me Chi. He said, Chi, read the Bible to, to granddad. So I would sit on his lap and the Bible was almost bigger than me. And he would say, read me a story. And so every male in the, in the uh, Bible was Jesus. <laughs> and I would tell the same story. Every child was baby Jesus. I would just make up stories to tell. And so I just fell in love with reading. And so if I didn't know the words, I would just make up my own words. And he would just encourage me as if I was getting all the words correctly. And so I was always very studious. And even now I, I love reading. I loved math as a student a lot more than I loved English um, because I always felt like there had to be a definitive answer. And if there was a definitive answer, I could figure it out. If I knew the rules, then I could follow the rules to get to the right answer. And when I learned in English, while there are rules, it's pretty subjective. And I, I didn't like to write a lot. So I was pretty studious around STEM subjects. Well, let's talk a little bit about STEM, you know, especially math, science, because <laughs> this is an area, especially the professional world, that is underrepresented by women. Absolutely. 
Well, I, I learned, and I still see this today because I still like to dabble in uh, volunteering with STEM and young girls and minority students around those subjects. Something happens between elementary school and middle school when it comes to young women. So in elementary school, we're told we can do anything, we're motivated, we can be doctors, we can be scientists, astronauts, engineers. And then in middle school, I don't think I don't think the message to us change changes very much. I feel like we tell ourselves that we shouldn't be smarter than our, our male counterparts. And we focus on more of the supportive role and being a, an encouraging friend or being an encouraging girlfriend. And we don't wanna be smarter than our male friends. And so something happens in middle school where we just kind of get off track and we, and we forget that we're brilliant and powerful and bold. And so what we've tried to focus on with the groups that we work with, not only through the foundation, but throughout Alabama Power is really reminding young women that you can be all those things externally, you know, you can be beautiful, but there's nothing more beautiful than a young woman who is powerful, who is a leader and loves all subjects, but particularly math and science where there is a gap for young women. We have to encourage them that you can you can still love math and, and be great. You can still love science and, and be great and you don't have to pick. And so that's the message that we're trying to carry forward for the young women just throughout our communities and throughout the state. It's okay to love math and science and it's cool to be an engineer or a doctor or whatever you want to be around those subjects. Who was one person that really influenced you when it came to the STEM? I would say probably my math teachers in, in elementary school and middle school um, because they were helpful delivering that message to me. I think as young women, we are sometimes embarrassed by knowing the answer and wanting to raise our hands. Um, there's something in us that says you don't want to be that person. You don't want to always raise your hand. Don't be a um, don't be showy. Don't be boastful. And so we tend to want to hide how smart we are. But having teachers, um, one that looked like me, whether that's African-American or female, that said it's it's a good thing to be smart and it's a good thing to be different. And it's a good thing um, to own your voice and to have the right answer. Don't shy away from that. There's so much more for you um, than, than your current environment. And so I've always tried to remember that, Greg, and try to share that message uh, when I go into communities where um, they may be underserved or there's not a lot of role models that talk about STEM, I try to say that same message. Hey, if right now it may be unpopular to be smart or have the answer, but I assure you, if you keep it up, the smart people are going to win. The folks that try, the folks that love to learn, those lifelong learners, you're going to win in the future. So right now, just try to get through it and try to be positive because it'll pay off in the long run. You mentioned finding your own voice. At what point did you realize that you have found your own voice in high school? Wow. Let me see. You know, I think it, it was probably around the eighth grade. Um, Tuscaloosa, particularly Holt, did not have a lot of avenues for young Black girls 
who wanted to move out of their environment. And I lived like in the country part. So there wasn't a lot of like public transportation. There wasn't a lot of after school programming. But when I moved to the big city of Birmingham, you know, there was like Girls Inc. that came to the middle school. Um, the school was in walking distance to everything, particularly my home. So I could stick after school and participate in the math club and the science club. So I think it really speaks to exposure and being around like-minded individuals. And so when I moved to Birmingham and I was, I had access to all of these programs and after-school activities that I didn't have access to um, at Holt, it really opened my, my mind and it helped me find my voice. When you're around like-minded individuals, there's a certain confidence that comes with that. And you're not afraid to, to, to speak. You're not afraid to get something wrong because you're around your tribe. And I describe your tribe as people who, who lift you up, people who support you, people who laugh with you. I think there's a certain comfort that comes with, with that. And when you're comfortable, you can be more confident. So why UAB? At this point, you were living in Birmingham for four years. So why the choice to stay at home? Well, I was exposed to UAB in the 10th grade. I was invited to attend what was then known as the Coca-Cola Coca-Cola Summer Scholars Program. And so the program aimed to introduce minority students from across the Birmingham metropolitan area to STEM subjects at UAB. And so we were invited for the entire summer. You were exposed to other uh, sophomores, juniors, and seniors across the um, across the city, so from all different schools. And each year you would work with a different professor on a research project. So that's how I was introduced to UAB. I didn't want to go too far being the oldest of four children. I wanted to stay pretty close to home. And UAB was literally right down the street. And every experience, everybody that I met made me feel welcome. I felt like I was at home from a from a sophomore in high school all the way through my senior year. And every summer I looked forward to coming back to campus, spending time um, with the UAB professors and the research assistants. It just felt like where I should be. And so that first impression was really a driving force in selecting uh, UAB for my undergraduate studies. And was the university as welcoming as you enrolled as a first year student? Absolutely, absolutely. I was just telling my daughter who's a freshman at UAB, that being a student at UAB and participating in Greek life, participating um, in the volunteer programs, it, it changed my life. I, I owe UAB so much for teaching me, one, the importance of an education, but then also surrounding me with a support system through that minority scholars program um, and just having professors that, that cared and treated me like I deserve to be there. Um, that really has made a difference. It taught me to keep going. You know, I was very intimidated of being a, a young black student in an engineering program. My, my parents are, are not degree, but they've always taught me to give my best. And, and at times being in the engineering program, I really questioned if my best was good enough. And luckily there were people, professors and graduate students there that would encourage me. Um, and oftentimes, Greg, I had to encourage myself because I was, um, I didn't have anybody around me. So I had to keep going and I had to figure out that 
you know, it's, it's, it's not the easiest program, but I had to believe in myself and I just kept pushing and I made it through. And that program that you're referring to is mechanical engineering. When did you gravitate towards engineering and going through your mind? Were you like, man, there's, there's not a lot of women in this field. (laughs) Yeah. So I, I, I I didn't grow up in a, a community that obviously had a lot of engineers. Um, actually, there weren't a lot of professional uh, career individuals in, in my neighborhood. So I was looking for just a way to ensure a better life for myself. And so I would investigate, you know, what are some of those careers that if I decide I don't want to go to grad school, that I could make a pretty good living and and hopefully change the trajectory of my life and, you know, generations to come. And so I, I looked at the medical field and quickly learned that I didn't want to do that because I'm not a fan of blood and scalpels and all those <laughs> things that are necessary to, to be really good in the medical field. So then I thought about biomedical engineering. I was like, well, maybe I can bring medicine and technology together and uh, maybe do something with that. And so I go and talk to my advisor and I said, what about biomedical engineering? And my advisor was extremely helpful and, and very motivated. I said, that's great. At the time, um, UAB did not have an undergraduate program in biomedical engineering. So they said, okay, first you need to get a, a degree, an undergraduate degree in mechanical or materials engineering. And then you need to get a master's and then you can get a PhD in biomedical engineering. And so as you can imagine, eight years was really not something I was too motivated by at the time. And so I said, well, what's another route? What's another route I could take? Maybe, maybe um, biomedical can wait. What, what is something I can do right now and maybe have a job when I graduate, you know, so I can help my family and then maybe I can consider biomedical later. And so we began to talk about the differences between materials engineering and mechanical engineering And at the time, it appeared that mechanical engineering offered um, a little more flexibility as far as the number of industries I could go into, Um, not only utility, but manufacturing route, there's an HVAC route. And so um, that's how I made my decision. And you wound up not getting just one degree from UAB. You got two degrees because you followed up the the BS with mechanical engineering with an MBA from the classical business. What was the motivation going that route and getting that degree virtually right after you finished the bachelor's? I felt like the longer I worked and settled into full-time career, the, the, the likelihood of going back began to decrease. And so I, I, when I graduated in 99, I, I believe I started my MBA in 2000. And I'm so glad I did because I was able to work full-time. And one of the unique And wonderful things about the MBA program at UAB is that you can get the full degree night with night classes. And so I was able to work and then I would go on campus for for classes. And so I was able to wrap that up in three years. I probably could have done it in two years, but my daughter was born in December 2001. Um, So I took some time off to spend time with her. But some folks have to quit working and and do it full time. And UAB offers the unique opportunity to stay on track and to reach that degree in a fairly short amount of time. So I'm very grateful for that. So you're going to school to get your MBA. You're working full time at Alabama Power. 
and you have a new baby. How challenging <laughs> was it during that time in the late 2001 going into 2002? Uh, it was challenging, um, but I, I am proud to say that I have a partner of, let's see, 21 years. We, we will be married 21 years in July. Um, so together for 22 years um, that has supported me in ways, Greg, that I cannot even begin to, to, to talk about. Any crazy idea I've had, uh, my husband, Mark, has always been in my corner as my biggest cheerleader to, to say, I, I support you. I am with you. Let's do it together. And so for many of those months, you know, he and Michaela, who was a newborn at the time, they were just hanging out, just the two of them <laughs> while I was in class. You definitely need a support system. As I mentor young women now and I say, you don't think you have one, you can create one. It doesn't have to be, you know, a blood relative. There are so many areas where um, young professionals can get help. And, and, and a lot of times now, um, a lot of the male parents are, are really the homemakers. And I think that is amazing and, and beautiful. And so I, I think it's time for us to kind of get out of that binary view of the world and just say, whatever you need to make your family, your team, your home team a success, find help. Help looks different to different families, but I don't think you, sh you should have to choose. You don't have to choose a career over family or family over career or going back to school to get your undergraduate or graduate degree. You can do it all. You just need to plan and ask for help. You talk about young women. Let's talk about your daughter. What kind of sell job did you have to do on her to attend UAB and basically become a legacy of what you laid, the foundation you did? You know, I, I probably started talking to Michaela about becoming a blazer, I don't know, right when I received my MBA because I can picture some of the photographs and she was, uh, my parents had a little get together for, for me in their backyard when I graduated with my MBA. And I remember... Um, she was with me every step of the way. And so she decided probably her sophomore year that she wanted to cheer on the collegiate level. And so she started checking out um, the UAB sports pro uh, cheering program. And so for her, it wasn't such a hard sale because she fell in love with the cheer program. And then she started thinking about, you know, what her major would be. And so she, up until the fall, she was pretty hooked on biomedical engineering. And then she started thinking about, well, I could probably be a bit more flexible uh, with a mechanical engineering degree. And so it was an easy sell, Greg. She, she, she fell in love with the campus. She wanted a diverse student population. She did not want a, a very long um, commute. She stays on campus, but she loves to come home on the weekends. And so UAB was perfect. It was not a hard sell at all. And I think the cheer program combined with the excellent School of Engineering with the traditional feel of campus, with the diversity of the student population, she, she was sold. You studied engineering here. She's currently studying engineering at UAB. What kind of support did you give her throughout her kind of younger days with STEM? Because like we said before, it's very un underrepresented by females. Pretty much the same message that I still carry. You know, I watched her with that transition of not wanting to answer questions in class. She would make A's on tests um, and I would ask her about her participation. And, and, and let me say foundationally, Michaela is an introvert and obviously her mom is an extrovert. So there's the key difference there. I, I'm a talker 
she's not much of a talker. So I was always trying to um, pay attention to her participation in class. And so I would just motivate her and, and just let her know being smart is, is the most beautiful thing about, about a person. And smart is relative, right? Like whatever your thing is, whether that's math or science or technology, um, whether it's English, whatever your thing is, be bold in it and, and walk strongly and confidently in it. And when her friends would come over, her cheer friends or some of her other girlfriends, I would say the same thing to them. You know, if, if you want to be the best you, don't shy away from the light. Be in the light, learn to communicate, learn to be bold in your statements and own it, whatever you want to be. And so I think not only watching me walk in what I was saying, but also share that with her and share that with her classmates. You know, that's kind of our mantra. Whatever it is you're going to be, be the best. If you're going to spend your time doing it, don't have to do it. You know, give 110%. So regardless of what she said that she wanted to do, I was going to help try to motivate her to be the very best. Knowing what I had gone through, Greg, I, I told her proactively that it is not the easiest course, right? It's not the easiest program, but anything worth having is not easy. You started at Alabama Power in 1999, and mm -hmm. here you are in 2021. And you're still at Alabama Power. Now, the job titles have changed a little bit, but you have been very constant. So what has UAB provided you that has allowed you to find that success and weave your way through Alabama Power? One of the things I am most grateful for that a lot of people don't know, Greg, is I technically started with Alabama Power in 98. I was still a full-time student at UAB, and I started to co-op at Alabama Power in 98. When I, when I look at my peers at other companies or in other industries, they're, they're usually amazed that we get here and it's like, once you guys go to some other company at Alabama Power, you just don't leave. And that's true because this company allows us to touch so many different areas of the business. What I appreciate about what UAB has taught me that I've carried over is flexibility. I remember early on having a roadmap to success on how to graduate in four years. And I'll never forget my advisor said, it's not going to work out this way, Tequila. And as soon as you realize that it's not going to work out exactly how this paper has it lined out, the better off you will be. Don't freak out if your class is not offered in a certain quarter. You know, don't freak out if you were you want to take, you know, your mask back to back and it's not offered in the summer. And so I guess the main takeaway, Greg, is flexibility. Just, just being you know, you can have a map and, and you can have a plan, but the best advice I could give and one of the biggest lessons for me with the company and for my time at UAB is flexibility and being able to just roll with the changes. You know, that's the one thing that's constant in life, right? Change. Your current role is vice president of charitable giving. Through that role, what do you do? Well, a little, a little known fact about my role. So as president of the foundation. I'm also vice president of charitable giving, and I'm also executive director of the Alabama Business Charitable Trust. So it comes with a lot of titles, but all of those mean we help people. We help our communities. We help nonprofit partners, you know, where they there may be gaps in their operating funds or, you know, COVID-19 hit all of us just so hard. And I'm proud to say that in 2020, we were able to deploy $1 million throughout the state to help 
our communities. And that comes in, in different forms, like, you know, arts, education, health, environment. You know, COVID just added a, another layer of adversity to what areas that already were in need. And so I had the privilege to come into this role and to pick up the mantle where my predecessor was already doing amazing things across the state, but to continue that. Um, and then, and right on top of that, we you know, shifted our priorities to focus additionally on you know, moving to equity, social justice. So to be a black female leading the foundation in this season, where I have leaders that are saying, do more, do more, do more. We were doing great things in 19. We were doing great things in 2020. But Tequila, what can we do in 2021? How can we how can we set the stage? How can we be the standard of uplifting Alabama? Greg, I can't think of another role that I would rather be in. That's Tequila Smith vice president of charitable giving at Alabama Power. Tequila owns two UAB degrees. She earned her bachelor's in mechanical engineering from the UAB School of Engineering in 1999 and her MBA from the Collatt School of Business in 2003. As a two-time alumna, Tequila definitely knows what it means to be a blazer. It means the world to me. I am, I can say it all day, but I hope that, you know, with my community and my company and my family, they, they see the blazer in me, the support by going to the games, just, you know, not professional, that that comes, but the, the personal life and the personal partnership that I have with the School of Engineering and the athletic program, I, because I think that's what matters, right? We could, we could talk about it all day, but it's in the doing. And so to me, being a blazer means to be authentic and to love your community and to love your school and your actions and, and in your giving and in your talent. And so, you know, I look at my children and so I have a 15 year old son, MJ, who is a sophomore at Hewitt Trustful High School. And oh, my God, if, if MJ selects UAB, Greg, I will be patting myself on the back for a long time because that means I have done something right. Be sure to listen into previous episodes of UAB Green and Told. You can find all of them at alumni.uab.edu slash green and told or listen in on Spotify and the Apple podcast app. Have a story to share? Email greenandtold at uab.edu. Finally, be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just search for UAB Alumni. Thanks for listening, and until next time, go Blazers!